Welcome to Reconciled 521 slash FBC. Uh, you are with me this day, uh, Gideon and Benny. And it's such a joy and a blessing indeed um, to just uh, fix our gaze and look upon uh, the scriptures um, together, examine the truths uh, that have that have uh, reconciled us to the Father. Uh, so we, we've been looking at our episode, in this episode we are looking at, um, uh, at, the, at the topic on what is the gospel. Um, in this wonderful Lord's Day, uh, it was prudent for us then to just come before Him, uh, thank Him, I trust that you are fine. Um, we have been in the lockdown for the past 35 days. Uh, it, it, was, it is just a joy to see people jogging around and uh, uh, seeing uh, a lot of uh, husbands and wives going about jogging and their families, their dogs. Yeah, lovely, lovely times. So we hope that we'll be back in our churches and we'll be able to fellowship once again. Uh, I miss that. I miss uh, a wonderful time with the brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but at the same time, also, as I've been saying, uh, this time has taught me just to feel how our dear brothers and sisters who are persecuted and who meet in hiding do feel. But also we tend to also sometimes neglect those older folk who are not able to go to church we can feel how they feel in this time so turn with me to the lord as we pray together father we we thank you for your grace and your mercy we ask of you that you be with us as we look into your word today we desire to learn about you and to know more of you in jesus name amen so as we looked at our first episode, we uh, focused on uh, what uh, what is the first pillar of the gospel, and we uh, remember that we uh, we examined that uh, gospel must be Christ-centered. And the reality of the matter is like what um, Charles Hodges said: that the gospel is so simple that a small child can understand it but it is so profound that when it is studied even by those wisest theologians uh, we will never exhaust its riches so my desire in this um, uh, in this episode is just to plumb as it would uh, just to on the surface uh, but in more in depth uh, from the scriptures as to what the bible has to say uh, to us so we we're focusing on first corinthians 15 where the apostle paul writes so well in verse 1 all the way to verse uh, 3 um, he says and now i would remind you brothers of the gospel i preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word i preached to you unless you believed in vain for i delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. 
that's our passage for today and uh, stick with me as we look and we ponder as to what does this passage then have to deal with us uh, what are we about to look at this day what is the gospel and what is the second pillar of the gospel if the first one is is that the gospel must be christ-centered as we see in verse 3 what is the second pillar then stick with me as we ponder on that then when it comes to the gospel we've seen that the first mark of the gospel that the gospel um, should be and must be christ-centered or christocentric Um, but the second mark of the gospel is that the gospel is theological Uh, the word theology uh, simply means um, theology the word theo means god Logy means study of, so theology is the study of God. And in this case, what we are saying is that um, the gospel must, must, must be centered on God. Because the gospel is theological and the, 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 the shorthand way of affirming this, what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see 1 Corinthians affirms that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we see there. And what we see more broadly, we see in the New Testament, the New Testament documents um, that God sent his son into the world and the son obediently went to the cross because this was his father's will. So it, the, the, the gospel has and must be centered on God. It must begin with a holy God, a God who is just. So what I want to, 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 to argue is that it makes no sense um, it makes no sense, really, if, if we claim to preach the gospel, if we claim to be um, ambassadors of the gospel, but we don't know what we are presenting to the people. I really would want us to be intentional about this matter of first importance. It's not, it's not, it's not enough for us to be nice to people. It's not enough for us to uh, just to, you know, sometimes it, it is as if uh, people are going to be saved just by a mere um, uh, us just being there, being nice, sit somewhere there. Yes, I know that we need to do our good works and um, and people to see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. But when it comes to the gospel, it's imperative that we we declare it. And we declare it in fullest, in fullest form. So the first thing we've seen is that the gospel is Christ-centered. But secondly, the gospel is a theological. So what I'm saying, it makes no sense uh, to, 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 for us to pit the mission of the Son against the sovereign purpose of the Father. Uh, and we're going to focus on the Father because we looked at the Son before uh, this episode. In the first episode, we looked at that. So if the gospel is, centra- is centrally Christological, it also uh, it is no less centrally theological. In other words, we need to make sure that these two, we don't divorce them from, from, from each other. We do not uh, emphasize much on uh, the, the work of Christ and we negate that aspect that God the Father also has a part to play in the gospel. So what do we mean by that? You see, what we mean is this, that uh, the cross and the resurrection are not nakedly historical events. They are historical events with the deepest theological weight. That's what we mean. 
so we can we can we can grace we we can look at uh, in in part the power of this claim if we if we remind ourselves how sin and death are related to God in scripture so if God is holy if we want to see us so okay what do we mean by this i want you to see then we need to have a holy god a just god so if this holy and just god is there and he is is righteous we, we need to realize then who he is we need to realize then that um, uh, man has rebelled against god and in his rebellion against god man deserves the wrath of god So then what we see is and what we know in the scriptures the scriptures testify to us Genesis chapter 2 chapter 3 that man in the beginning man was made in the image of God we also see in the bible that the bible says that man was made as a perfect being but then chapter 3 man sins against a holy god So God has been um has he has been active to reverse the effects of sin. He takes action to limit sin's damage. He calls out a new nation, the Israelites, to mediate the teaching and his grace to others. Then he promises that one day he will send the promised Davidic king to overthrow sin and death and all their wretched effects. This is what Jesus does. He conquers death, inaugurates the kingdom of righteousness and he causes his followers to live out that righteousness now in prospect of the consummation that is still to come. So much of the description what you find in the Bible you realize that uh, much of the description you have in the Bible um is that the Bible uh, has 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 a way in which that we see that God the Father has a very important role uh in salvation and if maybe i may pose this question uh what do you see in the bible when it comes to the centrality of the father in the gospel i want you to know that primarily in your salvation you are saved from god himself yes i've said that you, you are saved primarily from god god saves you from himself what do i mean by that He saves you from his wrath because your sin demands that he punishes you. Your sin demands that judgment must fall on you. That that's what it is. Because I want you to know this when you sin, when you sin, um what you find is is that when Adam and Eve sinned, sin any sin no matter how small you may think it is no matter how big you may think it is any sin is an offense against a holy god so god himself uh, god himself pronounces the sentence of death in genesis 2 verse 17 he says on the day you eat of this fruit you surely die that's where we begin and that's that's sad isn't it And Genesis chapter 3 we see man has sinned. And you may wonder to say ah, but I thought God was a God of love. I thought God was the source of life. Yeah. He is. But if his image bearers spit in his face and insist on going on their own way, becoming their own gods, they cut themselves off from their maker. 
from the one who gives life. What is there? They are left only to die because they are separated from the one who gives life. So moreover, when we sin in any way, God himself is invariably the most offended part. That is made clear from David's experience. Remember David, man after God's own heart, goes on to, 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 to sin. After he had sinned by seducing Bathsheba, arranging an execution of her husband. So he coveted somebody's wife, uh, slept with her, committed adultery. What else do we see? Uh, then he executes the husband, murders. Then David is confronted by prophet Nathan. Uh, and in deep contrition, what do we see when David pens Psalm 51? There he addresses God and says, Against you, Psalm 51, he says, Against you and you only have I sinned. Uh, at one level, of course, that is a lot of, uh, uh, you may say, but that, that, that does not make sense. After all, you may say, but David did not sin against uh, God. No, David certainly has sinned against Bathsheba, yes. Yes, he, had, he has sinned horribly against her husband. Yes, he has sinned against the military high command uh, by corrupting it. Yes, uh, he sent his own misogynist, kills him. Yes, he sinned against his own family. Yes, you may say that. Yes, he sinned against the baby in Bathsheba's womb who died after that. Yes, he sinned against the nation as a whole, which expects him to act with integrity. Yes, he sinned against all that. But what I want you to see in David's case, You need to see here the David sinned against God. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. David realized that his sin was against a holy God. So what makes sin sin? What makes it so vile? What gives it the horrific trans transcendent vileness that God hates it? Is that in all sinning, I want you to know, the most offended part is God. Therefore, the God who is offended is the one who executes judgment. And we are going to see as to how does God do that. Because if, 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 if the gospel must be God-centered, I want you to know that God is the offended party and therefore everyone who preaches the gospel, then they preach the gospel because they are preaching not to men who are just nice. They, we are not just preaching to men who uh, are making mistakes. No, we are preaching to men who have from eternity passed from their birth. They are separated from God. So the Bible portrays uh, as, as resolved to intervene and save um, as what God has done is God has wrath that is waiting against us. And when he stands before us, he stands over as, as a judge. Uh, he's standing uh, as, as an offended judge. He stands as one who is fearsome and jealous. No, so no matter how you may try or what you may try to do, God is the offended part. When you see Jesus Christ, when he comes, what do you see? When Jesus Christ announces the, the imminence of the drawing of the kingdom, uh, like John the Baptist, what does he cry out? So this is the cry out, the call that goes out then. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
repentance is necessary because the coming of the kingdom promises judgment as well as blessing. And that's what I want you to know. So when Jesus Christ comes, when he is preaching the gospel, when the apostles are going out to preach the gospel, they are coming in with a message of judgment and blessing. That's what they are bringing. They are telling people there is judgment coming. Then there is blessing also awaiting those who will believe. And we've seen the Sermon on the Mount, which encourages Jesus' disciples to turn the other cheek. It's the same Sermon on the Mount, repeatedly. Sermon on the Mount wants them to flee the condemnation of the Gehenna fire. The sermon wants the hearers not to, to, to follow uh, the broad law that, that leads to destruction. And pictures Jesus pronouncing final judgment with the words, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. We see in the parables as well. The parables, uh, they, they, they are full of warnings for judgment. And this is the kind of God I'm talking about. A significant repentance, a percentage of, of it speaks about repentance. Speaks about uh, the essential divisiveness of the dawning of the dawning of the kingdom. Images of hell in the parables. Outer darkness, furnace of fire, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and dying worms, eternal fire. They all... Nasty, um, there is a gnashing of teeth. But we must not avoid the fact that Jesus himself uses all of them. Do you see them? The gospel is God-centered. God is the offended party. And the reason why you see here that we must then present both sides of the gospel. We, we, we need to present both sides of the gospel. We need to present first the justice of God. We need to present the holiness of God. The justice and the holiness of God uh, stands as, as the center, uh, the, the, the core attributes when we talk about the gospel. Before we even present the love of God, we need to bring forth to men to show them that they are standing in, 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 in judgment. They are standing actually, uh, they are standing in, 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 in the wrath of God. The wrath of God abides on them now. John chapter 3 verse 36. And they need to know that God is holy. They are not holy. God is just. So he's going to punish every sin. So how then does God, who is holy and just, God who is going to inflict those who are sinners with judgment? You see, uh, when we find even in the, in the apostles preaching, you find the apostles preaching, you may argue to say, no, but uh, you, 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 are, you are smoking too much uh, oxygen. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. If you would check the apostles, their emphasis um, in their preaching. You take Peter, uh, the, the issue of judgment. Peter, when he goes to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, starting, starting, let's start with Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, verse 38, well, Peter actually tells the people, this Jesus you crucified, God has appointed him, and he's, he's going to judge you. Because God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Chapter 2, verse 36. And he goes to Cornelius, a Gentile. So to the Jews, he tells them, this is the Christ you crucified. And God has made this Christ you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In other words, he's the one whom God has appointed as 
the, the Messiah, the one who is going to judge the world in righteousness. And what do people ask? They say, oh, what shall we do then? He, he calls them then, repent and believe. Peter goes to Cornelius, chapter 10, verse 23 to 48. What do we see? The climax of his moving address to Cornelius. The climax is fulfilled. Uh, the fulfillment comes as he says, God appointed Jesus as judge of the living and the dead. And it was only, only there, only there that we see then that Cornelius and his household, they also believe. So those who believe in him, they receive forgiveness of sins through his name. You see, that is essential. If we are to face the judge and emerge unscathed, we need to come before him, believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Why? Because if God the Father is the judge, Jesus must be our mediator. He must be our, uh, he must be our attorney. Jesus must be our advocate. And that's, what, that's who he is, actually. So then, w- w- when you see the apostles preaching, when Paul comes to the, to, the, to the intellectuals in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 to 34, what does Paul do? He, he, we all know it. He fills in some of the great truths of the uh, that constitute the metrics in which alone Jesus Christ makes sense. He speaks of monotheism. He speaks of creation. He speaks of um, who human beings are. He speaks of God's aseity. He speaks of the providential sovereignty of God. He speaks of the wretchedness and the danger of idol worship. But before he's interrupted, however, Paul gets into the place in his argument where he insists. What does he say? That... God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. And he has appointed judge and the judge is Jesus. Whose authority or authoritative status is established by his resurrection from the dead. That's what Paul does. He does it very well among us, the Gentiles. And he does not choose whether these men are noble and they are in intellects and they are intelligent. No, intellects need also to hear the other side of God. We're not there. He was not there to win the argument. He was there to win their souls to the Lord. How about those of high position? Uh, should we change the message? Maybe just uh, speak something nice uh, concerning their position? No, that's not what the apostles did. Uh, when Paul stands before Felix in Acts 24, what does he do? What do we see? Felix invites Apostle Paul to speak what did he ask Paul to speak? To speak about faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Felix asked. A noble thing. Acts 24 verse 24. But Paul, we are taught, discourses. What does he speak about? He speaks on righteousness and the judgment to come. Apparently such a theme um, was, not, was not even uh, welcome by Felix. Felix was so terrified to hear about that. So how often then, um, uh, when we preach the gospel, are people terrified? Are we, are we faithful to the core? Do we present to them that there is a God who is holy? Do we present to them that there is a God who is righteous and just? Or do we scare, do we fear, are we afraid to present the gospel to the people? So let's present to the people that God is the center. Why? Because God is going to judge the universe in righteousness. 
But if we say like that, we may think God is only uh, taking a, a, a rod in his hand and is waiting just to whip us. But no, this God who, has, who is holy and just is also merciful and loving. In his mercy and in his loving, this God sent his son Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 16, For he loved the world so much, gave his son, so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to judge the world, but that through his son, through his son, the world would be saved through him. So that's why God sent his son. So we're seeing this just and the holy God, but this just and the holy God, the, the people who are going to, uh, to, 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 to stand before him are those who have believed in the son. Those who have not believed in the Son, they'll be punished with everlasting destruction they'll, and they'll be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from, and from the majesty of His power on that day. He comes to be glorified in the holy people and to be mothered among all those who have believed in Him. First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 to 10 tells us that. So we, we then, we, we await a Savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. So those who believe, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is this Savior? He saves us from what? From what? <laughs> look, look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 to 20. He saves us from the judgment to come from the destiny of destruction. So like the rest, we too, this is what God has done because He has loved us. He's merciful. He has loved us. He has given us His Son. We, we need them to, to see this Son. We need them to embrace Him because if we do not, then we must be terrified. If you do not believe in this God, if you do not believe in this Jesus, then I tell you, if you are still playing with sin, if you are still playing with this Christian thing, and you think that God is Santa Claus, who is going to just entertain your sin? I have news for you. He's a holy God who does not relate sin. He's just. You cannot bribe him. You cannot pay him. But you, Christian, rejoice and preach this gospel of this holy God. For we are awaiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved us. He has saved us from uh, from the from, from the wrath that was to, that is to come. For we too, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. For we gra we gratified the cravings of our sinful nature. We were following the desires of our thoughts. But now we have been saved by grace through faith created in Jesus Christ to do good works. That's who we are. So this grace that it saves us from 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 sins and from the otherwise inevitable result that is the wrath to come jesus himself is our peace acts chapter 10 verse 36 tells us the wrath of god is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness the wickedness of human beings who suppress the truth by their wickedness but god what does he do for us he presented christ as a propitiation in his blood and now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So a God who is holy, 
a God who is just, a God who is merciful, a God who is loving, a God who is gracious to us. So the gospel, the gospel, the second pillar of the gospel, the gospel is theological. In other words, the gospel must be God-centered. That's what we are talking about. So thank you so much for this time. May, 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 may you find it in your heart. If you have questions, please feel free to drop us a comment and send me a message if you have any question regarding this topic. Um, and if you have any other question, feel free to interact with us. But it's such a blessing to be together in this manner. Share this with your friends and your relatives, especially those even who are seeking and searching and who do not know what the gospel is. But also if you, if you have some who desire to share the gospel to others, please share with them. Feel free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this time we can spend and bask in your word. And we ask that you be with us. You, your name will be glorified in us. Your name will be glorified through us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, you for, for Thank you for tuning in to Reconciled uh, 521-FBC channel. We are so thankful that you could join us. You were with me, your host, Gideon Benny. Thank you.